Welcome to Healing Lives with Corey Gilbert, a podcast sponsored by the Healing Lives Center. Discover how to love and lead your family well and biblically. God created sex, marriage, and the family for our stewardship, growth, and benefit. My heart and passion is to teach, train, educate, and disciple Christians that want strong marriages and families. The Healing Life Center has been serving Christians since the year 2000. Its mission is to be a center for sex, trauma, and marriage education and transformation, where we offer counseling, coaching, courses, and speaking services to you, your church, or ministry. Check us out at HealingLives.com. Welcome back to Healing Lives with Corey Gilbert, and I'm looking forward today to have a great conversation with Paul Zolman, author of Role of Love. Thank you, Paul, for coming on. Thank you, Corey. Thanks for the invitation. I'm looking yes. forward to the time. Yes, honored. Well, tell us a little bit about yourself and kind of how you came about the concept and the book Role of Love. Corey, I want to start out a little bit with a, a little bit about my grandfather. He was born sure. in Indiana. He had nine children with with his wife. And shortly after that ninth birth, his wife passed away. Ooh. He was absolutely distressed about that. And he decided he'd sell the farm and all the equipment, everything with it. When the people came to the auction, he said, would you also like a child? And he systematically gave all the children away except one. That one child, Benjamin, he took with him to Montana. And and in Montana, found, found a wife, my grandmother, and married her, had 10 more children, of which my father was number six. So he's got 19 children. Wow. When my father is 10 years old, this grandfather passes away. So you can imagine doing what you do, this abandonment issues, the economic stress, and this was early 1900s. So it's 1910, I can find the children in Indiana on the censuses where they were placed in each each home that they were placed. Oh, wow. And, and he died in 1932, my father born in 1922, so it's just just that right in the middle of the depression, all the economic things that are going on, and then a death in the middle of that depression. And it was just just so hard. Mm-hmm. So my father grew up in those austere circumstances as well, learning what what he could about being a father. Didn't have a father figure there, and it was just such a hard situation. Uh, he didn't learn much, and yet uh, subsequently. Uh, drop out of school. He only only had an eighth grade education. So mm-hmm. education is really key to a lot of learning that we do and what we learn and what we pass on to our, our children and, and what we teach to our children. So we moved from, from that uh, situation in eastern Montana to Great Falls, Montana. And I, that's where I grew up in Great Falls. And uh, I just had a, a, a life that was just, it was it was hard. He was a truck driver. So he'd be gone during the week home on the weekends. Mm-hmm. I love I love the example that my father did to date my mother every Friday night. Nice, yeah. The venue wasn't the greatest though. <laughs> it was the Maverick Bar mm-hmm. and so it was over al- alcohol and in at an imbibed moment they he would just get upset and angry about what happened during the week from what my either my mother told him or what he gathered from the conversation with my mother that night. So Saturday was the spanking day or the <laughs> or or whatever we're going to get Saturday yeah. Saturday spanking day. So I remember just getting a spanking one time that was so severe. I remember being black and blue for more than 3 weeks. Oh gosh. Just, oh. It was just awful. I mean it was just severe. 
just had, did not have the knowledge, but it was just passing things on. Mm -hmm. Just got, it, it was just not a good situation. So that's what kind of where I came from. I got out of that situation, moved at age 17 out and moved with my brother, who was a good example of a good father. And he I, he was living um, uh, probably about 500 miles from Great Falls. I moved in with him. And then six months later, he was transferred to California. So I came with with his family, moved to California, and and then just uh, was finishing my senior year of high school on the road. The California schools were far behind what the Montana schools were doing at the time, and I and I just tested out. I just took the GED, tested out, and started working. Mm -hmm. Just kind of learning what real fathers do. My brother was a great example that way. Yeah. So we, wherever we're at in life, we kind of gather what we learn from the people that surround us. Yep. So I, I thought, you know, I I didn't realize how much anger, residual anger I had left from that abusive childhood. until mm -hmm. I started noticing that I would have an annoyance and then I'd have another annoyance and then I'd have another annoyance, another annoyance, and then a flash. And it would just, it would almost be, a knee-jerk reaction that there'd be this flash of anger, and then it, I'd be back down to zero annoyances. I'm, I took care of it, you know. That's how I released. It was yep. that flash, oh. Oh. and it was—it's a horrible, horrible life to have. So I thought, you know, I—I I blamed my father for failed relationships when it could have been me with the flash, but but I blamed him up until about age thirty-five. Now, my father passed away on his 65th birthday, right on his birthday, mm. and he didn't even collect a, a one little one red cent of, of Social Security or anything. I mean, it was just a horrible thing. Mm. But he, I blamed him seven years after he was, had passed away, still blaming him for my relationship problems. So mm. at age 35, I'm, I'm there, I'm thinking, oh, I think I'm responsible for my own actions now. And it just, it was just like a, a paradigm shift in my mind mm -hmm. that I felt like now I'm responsible for, for my actions. He can't defend himself. Mm -hmm. I mean, if I had a, I can't have a talk with him. <laughs> no, there's just nothing I could do, but take responsibility. Mm -hmm. One thing about blame that I found out though, Corey, is that blame is great. Oh, it's wonderful. It's it's absolutely wonderful yeah. because it's it's always their fault. Mm -hmm. It you fixes everything. You're perfect. You don't have to change. Yep. It just whitewashes everything. You can plead innocent for anything that happens that way. If you yeah. can blame someone, it's a bad game. It so goes back to the Garden of Eden. It goes back to absolutely sin and Adam saying, "God, but it's the woman you created." Oh no, Adam! No, 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 no. So it's interesting that you bring that up because it actually, I was memorizing a, a scripture about Adam's transgression mm -hmm. and, and that I'm not responsible. Uh, and he's, I'm, I'm not responsible for his trans transgression, but I'm a result of his transgression. He couldn't have kids if, if, if he had not done that. So it was this scripture about that, that gave me that paradigm shift. Mm-hmm. It was just helping me understand that I I really am responsible. Yeah. Fast fast forward a little bit. I I 
that the relationship that I had with my wife at the time was just a little bit rocky, ended up in, in divorce, unfortunately, and we had eight children together. And mm -hmm. so, so just I had a lot of opportunity to practice better things with those, with those eight children. And, and then I, I must have been, seemed lonely. My sister, um, I was living in Phoenix at the time and my sister thought that I was, I needed, needed some companionship and she had a neighbor that she wanted to introduce to me. <laughs> and, and just before that, Corey, I'd been doing all that, what I call destination dating. I'd lived in South Carolina and uh, Charleston, South Carolina, beautiful city. And I was going to Daytona Beach, Florida, Jacksonville, Florida, Columbia, South Carolina, Charlotte, North Carolina, Kansas City, Nashville, Phoenix, yeah. Las Vegas, Salt Lake City, Cabo San Lucas, New York City, going all these places for destination dating. Just we'd meet there, we'd have a date and just it, it was fun. You know, when you're looking for love, you'll never find it. You'll never find it. And I, and that just was interesting that way that you're looking for someone to love you. You absolutely have no control over that. And I found that out that you don't have any control over it. So my sister's introducing me to her neighbor. I said, no, I don't want to do that because I'd just been through that. Seven hours away, I'm in Phoenix. She's up in, in Southern Utah. And I, I just absolutely did not want to do that. She says, oh, come on. <laughs> you got to do what big sister says. So I'm number one of 11 children. And that's just, I, I had to do what big sister said. So I said, all right, I'll email her, I'll contact her. And, and so we started corresponding and actually she was delightful. It was just really fun, fun with the correspondence that we had and then set up a meeting time and we met and just developed the relationship. And, and a little while later, it was time to take her up, this neighbor up for big brother approval. And, and so it was 300 miles away, had a nice trip. First thing that happened when we go in my brother's house, uh, my sister-in-law pulls her aside and says point blank, the only emotion that the Zolman family learned growing up is anger. At first I did not say, oh, oh, then it made me bad. <laughs> but, yeah. 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 She, she nailed it. And yeah. so from that time, I thought if there's an opportunity to change that perception of my family, now's the time. So I started reading the color code and I started reading the five love languages. I read the five love languages four or five times. I didn't get it. You mean, Corey, I'm supposed to guess what love language you are and cater to that? I grew up in abuse. I know that's not love. And that didn't sound like love either. Because that catering is just pandering. It's 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 almost a manipulation. Did not it, I couldn't it, I couldn't wrap my I couldn't wrap my head around it. Yeah. And the second uh, application Dr. Chapman has is I love the principles. Mm -hmm. And I'm so grateful for Dr. Chapman identifying the principles of the love languages because they reconcile absolutely to the to the life of Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. Jesus Jesus spent time. He he had the gifts of the spirit. He touched people. He served people, and we love his words. All five love languages are incorporated in the life of Jesus Christ. And I love Dr. Chapman for identifying that because it re really reconciled to me. I wanted to be more like that. Mm -hmm. So I, I thought, you know, the other thing that he had was take this survey, and then you find out what your love language is. Then what? 
what am I supposed to do, Corey, with that? Advertise? Hello, yeah. I'm no. Gibbs. What do you have for me today? <laughs> that was yeah. so awkward. It just yeah. did, not, did not work for me. So I contacted Dr. Chapman and said, I, you know, I when I, as I was growing up, we played games and I like games. So I thought maybe I can make it a game. Okay. I asked Dr. Chapman for if they were licensing the icons they had for the for the love languages. He said no. And I, I was grateful he said no because they're they're like 30, 40 years old. They're, well, they're a little over 30 years old. The book was published in 1992. Mm -hmm. so, so I went to a intellectual property attorney here in town. He said that theory is not copyrightable. Application is. So Dr. Chapman hadn't didn't have it as a game. So I made my own icons and I put it on a die and created it a game. So this is what it looks like. You've got one. So there's yeah. a, those are the words, the time, the service, gifts, and then then touch. Five love languages, six sides on the dice. The the last one with the question mark is surprise me. So Corey, there's just two instructions. You roll the die every day. That's the love language you practice all day that day. Mm -hmm. The next, next day you roll it might be something different, but over a 30 day period, you will have learned how to give away all five love languages. So it's, and it's to everybody. Dr. Nice. Chen would have you do it to significant other. To me, you're not around that significant other all day long. So that's like a part-time love thing. So when you go to work and then you're not loving and then you come back and you, maybe you forget that, oh, may, I'm not at work anymore. And it's just confusing. So this is to everybody. So you're not confused yep. all day long, no vacations, no retirement, love all day. <laughs> it's, a, it's a better deal. It really is a better deal. Love so it. by giving it away after a 30 day period, you become what I like to call a love language linguist. Mm -hmm. so you know all of the love languages nice. it's a title you want it on your resume just think if you put that on your resume Corey, when all your listeners put it on their resume the employer's going to say what the heck is a love language linguist and you're going to say i just love people that employer wants their customers loved and and they want a, a loving environment within the workplace mm -hmm. your, res your resume is going to rise to the top Second thing that happens by doing this is that you're able to see it when it comes your way. Most people only can see their primary love language. This, because you know all five love languages, you're able to see it and respond appropriately. So in my in my research, I've found that there's those are the only two things you have control over, giving it away mm -hmm. and, and reacting when it comes your way. You can't really bid love to come to you. And if if you try, it, it kind of develops this little pity party. If you uh, that that happens, uh, say, "Well, I told you what my love language is. How come you're not doing it?" And it's just that little pity whiny par pity party that you don't even want to go there. You absolutely nope. don't. Want not at all. When it becomes a demand, it actually loses its value. Yeah. Well, it, exactly. It becomes a duty or it becomes a, a chore at that point in time. You don't even want to go there. So freely give it out, trusting that someday it's going to come back, mm -hmm. having the faith that it's going to come back. And, and if it doesn't, that's not matter. your responsibility. Absolutely. It doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. Send, sending that out and watching, you're watching for people that light up. When yeah. you're on a genre or a, one of those love languages and people light up, 
that's journal worthy. That's something that you could put in your journal, something that said, this person light up, or you just take a mental note and wash, rinse, repeat, do that over. That's what that person likes. I found a, a lot of times, Corey, that, that people take the survey of Dr. Chapman and then they, and then I, they, we roll the die and, and we're re sending out the love. The survey results could be skewed because they're lighting up with the words and they and their survey said they like physical touch so there's there's some disparity there just sending that out just because because i think the lighting up of when the person lights up mm -hmm. it's more characteristic of what they really like what yeah. really resonates with them when what what they want well that's and, the that's the downside of a survey is we're biased yeah and we don't know what we don't know so you're right the the light up is much more of a, an indication. The other thing that I love about actually Dr. Chapman's writing is you could love a person in, in their dialect or sorry, in their language, but there's dialects. Mm -hmm. Oh, so right. You're careful. You miss you're, you're using touch, but you're not using it in the way that they actually, it really makes them light up. Yeah. You know, or you're using words or using like, I, I noticed with my wife, like her, the quality time one isn't just quality time with her it's quality time with my kids hmm. she lights up when i'm doing stuff with our kids so oh. i do more stuff with our kids oh so like learning learning your spouse but basically or learning your coworkers or learning those that you work with is all critical um but i love that you turn this into a game and you're focused on all five when i took the survey years and years and years ago i remember being so excited because all five of them actually four of the five were pretty high on the list until i read later in his book careful with those of you that think that or they find that all of them are your top ones because you don't feel loved unless all of them are actually done so if you only get two of the five you don't feel loved or three of the five you don't feel loved it's like you basically are high maintenance i was like oh great <laughs> <laughs> and I had to realize that I've got some learning to do, some growing to do to accept whatever a person gives, actually. And again, I like the the way that you created this tool in this game. You now make it into a I'm focusing on loving you, not on what I'm receiving. Yeah, it's all it's all it, that's exactly it, Corey. It's, it's not no longer is it about me yep. or it's about them. It's yep. about about lighting them up, about helping them have a better day, uplift, yeah. uplifting them, helping them see the divine in them. You know, in, in yoga, they've got that, uh, putting the hands together and, and saying namaste. Namaste actually literally means the God in me sees the God in you, or in another way, it says the divine in me sees the divine in you. I love that, mm -hmm. that that it's just we're looking for the good of people. And I, uh, what made the transformation for me mm -hmm. that I was the mindset tra uh, transformation was that I was thinking, what's good about that person? What can I love about that person? And I got so busy and focused on that, that I never could go down that route that said, what's wrong with that person and go down that critical route. Yep. If I ever thought I could go down that critical route, then guess what would happen again? I'd be annoyed, and then yep. I'd be annoyed, yep. and then be annoyed, and then be annoyed, and be annoyed, and then flash. 
And, exactly. And once you understand that pattern, you, you're not even going down that route. The other thing that I discovered is that, you know, I was walk, out walking the other day and I found this great stick. The stick didn't have any bark on it. One side's really smooth here. And then the other side just kind of has some some little pokey things on it and little knots on it. This is my knotty and nice stick. So <laughs> your Santa Claus has a stick just like that. <laughs> knotty and nice. So I, what I found, Corey, was that anger on one end of the spectrum or one end of the stick, the naughty side of the stick, has its own set of, of culture. It yeah. has own words it has its own vocabulary its own nuances its own its own uh uh humor it yeah. has its own it's just a, a culture all connected together and and then love has a different culture and different languages when when my sister-in-law told me that my family was angry i realized i'm on the naughty end of the stick yep. i don't, don't want to be on the naughty end of the stick I don't want to be on that end of the spectrum. That's what I know. Yeah, That's all I know. It's and it, and it's not really genetic. Nope. But it's just something that was passed on mm -hmm. from something that what my parents learned and my grandfather passed on and and who knows what 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 happened before that. Right. But it's just passed on generally generationally because of that's what they knew. Well, it's because of sin. Absolutely. Yeah. So and the goal is to redeem. That means us that's back to the word education that you said earlier. It's learning, it's growing. It's part of why books and podcasts and going to school and education and all these things are really, really good. If they're not careful, they can be gods in in and of themselves. We don't want that. Um, but to be educated or learn is actually a really, really important um endeavor if you will which you wrote a book to go along with this guy absolutely um and your book it's the book's called role of love the most effective way to demonstrate love every day and you talk about in your part one three roles what are those three roles and what do they mean so three three roles in part part one Talking about the role of reality, role of authenticity, role of observation. Yeah, those, you know, those roles is just your own perception of of the reality. Uh, authenticity, I compare it like this. So mm -hmm. back to the naughty and nice stick. Mm -hmm. When you take sarcasm, that's you. If you placed it on the stick, I would think it'd be on the naughty side of the stick. The opposite of that would be the authenticity on the genuineness, being true to something. So a lot of people are sarcastic and they think it's really funny and there's a lot of humor out there like that. We're yeah. almost, almost you know, just waiting for the next sarcastic re response because that person has has pluck, that person has personality. Yep. And, and it's just, and that's just, they just say it like they see it, even though it's on the naughty side of the stick, that type of behavior. And it's not really authentic, but it's 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 truth in a sarcastic way, and it's yeah. just it, it and it is funny, but um, sometimes, but being authentic and genuine is is a whole lot better, and it's on the nice side of the stick. So that's back to the 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 spectrum. Yeah. Where do you want to be? Observation is is very interesting. As I've rolled the die, 
and and done that genre that day, watching for people to light up and observing that, just taking mental notes. You're in an educational process all of your own. And you talked a little bit about education. I think that something like this could really help people in a Sunday school class or in a in, in a church situation, or it could help people in even a public school situation that the class as a class, they roll it at the beginning of the day. They're responsible for their behavior all day that day. Yep. And it's at, being intentional. It's, it becomes intentional. At the end of the day, I, I have a journal companion with the with the book. At the end of the day, they record what they rolled, what opportunities they saw to love in that way, then what they did about those opportunities. Ooh, that's good. So by doing that, they're and recording it. Yeah. It's really, I, I love that. That's really neat. So they become accountable yes. for their behavior all day long. Nice. So they teach accountability. Remember the story I just told you about how long it took me to get rid of the blame? 35 mm. years. I mean, that's a long time. If children were taught how to be responsible for their own actions early on, and I think this probably could only work first to sixth grade because most of the time they're in the same classroom. They start at the, the, the day in that classroom and they end the day in that classroom. Mm-hmm. As you're moving classes after that, seventh through the any other grade, you're moving and, and the responsibility might yeah. it might be more difficult to to pin it pin responsibility on that particular student. But you can do it when they're young. Teach them when they're young and get them mm-hmm. in the habit, the the very habits of of becoming a love language linguist. They know how to send it out. They know how to receive it, and they know how to re- react appropriately when it comes comes their way. Get them in that habit. I think it's going to tamp down a lot of the misbehaving, a lot of the violence that's happening in the school systems these days. Yeah. I know one thing that I recognize, kind of hearing what you're saying and the way that you've taken Dr. Chapman's work um, and his research and the five love languages, which became a a good tool and I've used it for years. I love it, but it's just a tool. Some people make it, it's the end all. No, it's not. It's a tool. Mm-hmm. Um, you take the little quiz, you know a little bit more about yourself, but it becomes, it's these, it's living in reality. It's understanding and, and not twisting reality. It's that authenticity, absolutely. But it's a life of observation. Mm-hmm. I can love my wife with words. What's interesting is they don't touch her like they touch me. That's some of the differences in humanity and personality. And when she says words to me, oh my gosh, my I melt. When when I use words towards her, she's like, eh. <laughs> hers is more, she's more impacted by acts of service and quality time. Our, our going on dates, our spending time together, which we love road trips and um, we're, we're very active with our family outside. So um, doing stuff. It's hard because I have four jobs, so it's hard to carve out time. Mm-hmm. Well, what's funny, and I think, is it's usually the areas that are harder for me to do that actually God's calling me to to work on and do. Of course. So if it actually comes easy to me, then it's got less value. Yeah. When it comes harder for me to do, it actually has much have a higher value. Like the gift from your five-year-old that they made is actually much more precious than that $50 gift that someone else bought. Yeah. Because of the 
the effort and the even if it's just popsicle sticks or it's whatever else. So like understand this again, the goal, I think, of your book and the die is saying, hey, people, this can be fun and this is going to change you and you're focused on your part of it. Mm -hmm. Our tendency, our wiring is to be focused on their part of it. Where are they failing? Where are they not loving me in my right language? Do I need to advertise what language I am? (laughs) So this is awesome. I love it. I love what you put together here. This is really, really important. I like it. Uh, I like that it it helps you stay in your lane too and Mm -hmm. realize that you only have control. You don't have any control of what anybody's sending your way. You only have control of what you're sending out. But you got to send it out. It's like putting money into the piggy bank so that yeah. someday, someday it's going to come back. And it's that boomerang. Contrast that with sending anger out. Yes. You send anger out, it's coming right back. It, it's a, the immediate return on that investment, if you call it that. Right. Who, who wants that? I mean, and who who wants, if, if you're focusing on somebody's fault, I like to use a magnifying glass. If you're going to enlarge somebody's, weaknesses and enlarge their faults yeah. coming right back to you they're going to they're going to look at your weaknesses and it's just going to be this this merry-go-round of weak of of, of annoyances is what's going to amount to and it's just not going anywhere great well you, you mentioned earlier too the reinforcing if i focus on how to love you in this day like today i rolled this you know, rolled um, words of affirmation or touch or acts of service. I focus on that. I don't have time to go into those other emotions that actually are there. You just did something and I could really be annoyed. You said something or you, on your side of it, I'm hurt or I'm reacting. I have less time to give to that, which actually really changes the way I live my life and how I love you. Actually, I would say it changes my physiology, my body, my re- my reaction to stress, to disease, everything. Absolutely. And this is going to impact my whole entire nervous system, which impacts my health overall, physically, spiritually, emotionally, mm-hmm. relationally. And I think that by doing that, you're going to feel closer to our Savior, Jesus Christ. Yep. You're going to feel closer to doing what his mission was is to bless the lives. Every story we have, all the words we have about yeah. him, it's, a, it's all about them. It's you, you. We hardly ever hear anything about him, that I need this or I need this kind of love. You never hear anything like that from him. And it's just it's just interesting that if you follow, follow that pattern, yep. he's always looking out for the other person. You know, one, one thing that I um, found out, I was, I was a candy vending route driver and at one point in my life a long time ago mm-hmm. but but i w- got up before dawn and came back after sunset you see this picture right behind me here that i had an epiphany one day that the very best sunrises and the very best sunsets all have clouds yeah. all have clouds we all have problems in our life we all have weaknesses in our life but as we work through that adversity, we become stronger and our lives at the end will be the sunset of, a, of our life at the end. It's going to be absolutely beautiful. It will be because of the adversity that we've gone through. That's because, so good. I love that. It's a great picture. Yeah. Because, because of the transformation that we've made. It's going, to, 
just shine through that light refracting on those those problems that we had in their life. It's just going to be fabulous. Love that. Well, Paul, the the your book, rolloflove.com, rolloflove.com, and here's the book. You can get your book, workbook, and the die um, on your website. And very, very important. I think this is one of those kind of game changers for some people. So others might not like it. That's fine. Move on. There's This is one of those things where this could revolutionize the way you love other people, but even specifically your your spouse, your kids. Um, so thanks for coming on to a podcast and talking. Thank you very much, Corey. There is one other thing that um, because it's a podcast, because mm-hmm. people are auditory, they listen to this a lot. I put the book on Audible too. Oh, so good. Uh, you can't get the audible on my off my website but you can go to amazon don't type in the role of love because you're going to get love this love that love a million things <laughs> you're never going to find it we need to let a haystack but if you type in my name it'll take you right to it and you can get the audible version of the book as well paul zolman paul zolman that's paul right. zolman on audible and then roleoflove.com we'll have all that in the show notes wonderful thanks thanks for coming on paul it's been great thank you so much what a delight thank you for tuning in to the healing lives with Corey gilbert podcast it has been an honor to serve if you are struggling have questions or in need dr gilbert offers a free consultation for new clients check us out at healinglives.com to book a call if this has been helpful to you please share it leave a review and help us get the word out so that we can see lives changed marriages transformed and more people come into a life-changing relationship with jesus christ The Healing Life Center offers online courses, programs, books, intensives, and other services to help you live biblically and well. Discover more resources on YouTube and in Dr. Gilbert's Healing Marriage Facebook group, The Healing Marriage.